0: Please turn your Bible to Mark chapter 2, Mark the second chapter. We begin with verse 13, Mark chapter 2, verse 13. May we pray together. Our Father, we thank Thee for the beautiful music and songs that have encouraged and reminded us that there's something more than just the everyday humdrum things that we experience day by day. The life can be exciting as we have goals in our lives and as we look forward to the promotion of being with the Lord we thank you for everybody who has come together to worship thee in spirit and in truth both in the auditorium and by radio And we pray that this will be a, a day remembered in heaven there will be commitments and decisions recorded in every heart that will remind us in years to come on January the 12th that was a high day in my life because I met with God. Holy Spirit, do your work. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In Mark chapter 2, beginning with verse 13, And he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax office. And said unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass that as Jesus was eating in his house, many tax collectors or publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many and they followed him. And when the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, how is it? that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners. When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, they that are well or whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. The great world's heart is aching, aching fiercely in the night and God alone can heal it, and God alone give light. And the men to bear the message and to speak the living word are you and I, my brother, and the millions that have heard. Can we close our eyes to duty? Can we fold our hands at ease while the gates of night stand open to the pathway of the seas? Yes, our world is hurting and aching, and God alone has the remedy. The tax collectors publicans and sinners of Jesus' day were just illustrations of people who had a deep need but didn't know it. Matthew was one of them. The man spoken of as Levi in this tax text is the same as the man Matthew. He's the author of the first gospel, Matthew. Matthew, or Levi, used to be a tax collector. They were called publicans. Now, a tax collector was a wealthy man usually. For example, if the Roman government said the tax on an individual is a uh, $100, that's your tax for the year. Well, that tax collector could go to that individual and say, your tax is $1,000. And the Roman government would stand behind him became an extortioner and that individual had to fork over thousand dollars now the people knew this was going on so they hated the tax collectors they hated the publicans they were getting wealthy pocketing that $900 giving over to the Roman government $100 and thus the tax collectors were all wealthy I don't know whether that's true in our day or not but it was in that day and so everybody hated the tax collectors. They were looked down on, they were publicans. That doesn't mean they were poor. That doesn't mean they lived in huts, a little hovels somewhere, or on the other side of the tracks. They may have been wealthy people in avenues or on the main streets, but they were sinners. Now of course, generally they didn't care how they lived. They lived the life of luxury. Arnold Toynbee, lecturing in America several years ago, said of all the problems that have plagued the nations through the world, of all the nations that have risen to power and then crumbled and ruined away, 19 of them showed the early signs that are evident in America today. They crumbled from internal problems with lust, luxury, luxury, and liquor. Lust, luxury, and liquor. And these publicans knew all about that. They were men who lived in lust. They were men who lived in luxury. They were men who lived with their abundance of liquor. And incidentally, the only safe approach to liquor is abstinence. And the beaming televisions from Bowling Green and Nashville that are trying to focus on Franklin and tell them that their only way to make uh, Franklin prosperous and to go forward and to create jobs there is to have legal liquor, those are lies. We have just as many bootleggers in Bowling Green as we had before when it was dry here and we need to pray for the people in Franklin. But those tax collectors and publicans knew what it was to have a high standard of living as far as economy is concerned, economics, and a low standard of living as far as morals was concerned. People all knew about it. And here was Jesus, his headquarters, Capernaum, And he came to the city of Capernaum and passing by the tax collector's office, he saw Levi. And he said, you come and follow me. And Levi's heart was hurting. Just because a man lives in bent tree doesn't mean he has a happy heart. And just because a man lives over in Lampkin Alley. Doesn't mean he's miserable on the inside. Our spiritual life. Is not weighed in heaven. According to our bank account. It is weighed according to our relationship to heaven. There are lots of folks that are. In destitute condition. Not only. Not only because of. Luxury and liquor because of a multitude of other things. We live in a sad world We've just come through Christmas time and for many of us it was a time of joy and remembrance and Thanksgiving and giving of gifts and Receiving of gifts and family reunions and turkey dinners and all those things wonderful But for a lot of people it was a terrible experience It was a time of loneliness It was a time of memory they can hardly get, wait to get through it. Our world is a hurting world, a world of financial insecurity, a world that focuses on recession, a world where people feel unloved. Children growing up in broken homes, torn between their love for their mother and daddy. But because mother and daddy couldn't get along, the children have to decide whether they're going to love mother more or daddy more, and they're going to have to somehow grow up real early in life and try to be mature enough to recognize that there's some problems they don't understand, and they're going to love both of them. That's hard on them. A world of child abuse. More and more and more child abuse prevalent. I saw a sign the other day that said there is no excuse for child abuse. Love trampled in the ground. Hardly anything worse than for you to love somebody and that love is not returned. Depression. Discouragement. A husband and wife living together for a while and then all of a sudden the husband decides I don't love this this girl anymore. I'm just going to find somebody else. Or all of a sudden this girl decides I don't love this man anymore. I'm just going to find somebody else. I'm going to do something. I'm going to get a divorce. Get rid of him. It's never in a thousand worlds been easier to get a divorce than today. No fault they call it. Make a difference what the problem is. You can just get a divorce. People stand at the altar and say, for better or for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish until God by death shall separate us. And deep inside their heart, they say, I don't mean a word of that. Or five years down the road or 10 years down the road, they say, well, I didn't know it was going to be this rough. And I guess my word didn't mean much at that altar. I don't love God enough to keep the word anyway. And so... We have hurting people. Hurting people. They're deeply hurt. And they look on their right hand and their left and refuge fails them. They don't know which way to turn. A time of uncertainty. A time of feelings of self-worthlessness. I can't do anything. There's a story in Luke, John, about a man that sat at the pool of Bethesda for 38 years and nobody cared enough to come and help him into the pool. 38 years. Our world is in trouble. The great world's heart is aching. And God has the remedy for that ache. But the men to bear the message and to speak the living word are you and I, my brother, and the millions that have heard. People will never know there's a remedy until we tell them. They'll just go on thinking this is normal. Did you ever meet anybody that suddenly got changed by the power of God and they woke up and they said, you know, I did not know this kind of life was even available. I thought the other kind was the normal life. And now that I've come into the exchange life, I can hardly believe it. It's ethereal. It's wonderful. It's joy-filled. Well, that's what Jesus gave to Levi that day. As he passed by, he saw Levi at the tax office, and he said to him, Sir, come and follow me. Now, that's a marvelous call. But perhaps more marvelous is the conversion that took place. The scripture says, Many are called, but few are chosen. Jesus extends a call every Sunday for years and years and years, sounding out from this church, there has been the call. Soul owners have gone out across the city of Bowling Green to issue a call to people to come, representing Jesus. But the marvelous thing has been some have been convicted and have been converted. Many are called, but few are chosen. You say, what in the world does that scripture mean? Well, God issues a call, encouraging you to come, but you have to do the coming. For example, suppose I said, tomorrow morning at 5 o'clock, everybody who will meet me here at the church, I'm going to take you on an expense-paid trip to Jerusalem. Everybody in this church gets that call. Everybody listening to the radio gets that call. Now, I wish I could do it, but I can't. But suppose I could. And I'd say, everybody here today, all you have to do is meet me tomorrow morning at 5 o'clock. And we'll dr- get on a bus or a car or something and go to Nashville. And we'll get on a plane. And we'll go to Atlanta. And we'll go from there to Jerusalem, to Tel Aviv, and then to Jerusalem. Tomorrow morning, I get here at 5 o'clock. That call has been issued to all the people here, 5 to 600 maybe a thousand, maybe, I don't know how many listening, but radio. Tomorrow morning I get here at five o'clock, three people come. Now who were called? Everybody. But who were chosen to go? Only those three who showed up. Jesus issues a call. Come. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. Come! 1,900 times in the Bible that that word is expressed. Come, come, come! A songwriter years ago was so impressed by that invitation that he wrote the song, Come to the Little Church in the Wildwood. And he started the chorus by saying, Oh, come, 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 come. And the men keep on saying that expression. That's an invitation. Come. But who are the ones that are chosen? Only those who do the coming. Only those who hear the call and respond. And Levi not only heard the call, But he came. That's a marvelous thing. The conversion that took place in the life of Matthew, Levi, the tax collector. Marvelous. Now notice what happened. Jesus said, follow me. And he arose and followed him. Now beloved, to be saved one has to receive Christ. To become his disciple he has to follow him. There are some who want to receive Christ, but they don't want to follow Him. Maybe the outward evidence that one has genuinely received Christ is that he wants to follow Him. It's like a person saying, well, darling, I love you. And I'll tell you, I love you so much that I I just tell you, let's let's get married. He says this on April the 1st. And they set a wedding date for April the 10th. April the 5th, he's gone with two or three other girls. Well, how much does he love that girl? He's confused and mixed up inside. Some people hear the call, come, and they say, Well, I want to come. And they 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 make the outward evidence that they're coming, and yet there's no change, there's no conversion inside. They don't begin to follow him. Not only did Levi hear the call, but he got converted. He got changed. The word conversion means to change. He got changed and he began to follow Jesus. He became a disciple, a follower of our Lord. Not only did he receive Christ, he followed him. Now let's go on. It came to pass, verse 15, that Jesus was eating in his house. That is Levi's house. You see, he began to have fellowship with him. Beloved, when you become a Christian, it's not just a one time experience where you just say well I'll become a Christian today this is uh, January the 12th and then you leave the building and you never show up anymore and you never have any fellowship with God's people and don't make any change in your life you didn't become a Christian you made some kind of a public statement but you didn't become a Christian to become a Christian means that you receive Jesus into your heart and you begin to walk with him Amen. and you begin to follow him and so the first thing Levi did is said, Jesus, come on home to my house. We're going to have a supper. I'm glad I got saved. I'm glad you invited me to come. And I've, I want to follow you and I want to get as close to you. And, and Jesus, I'm going to invite some of my friends. The best way, listen, the best way to win the loss is to find somebody and, and get him saved and then find out who his friends are and get him involved in winning his friends. When James Crawford first got saved, Scores of other people began to come because they had known him and he wasn't ashamed to go and witness to them and they began to come and follow Jesus. When when uh, Mickey Berkeley first got changed a number of years ago, there was a revival ripple all through his family. Some of you remember that. And that's what happens. And so Levi invited his friends to a big supper. They didn't have it somewhere where the... Couldn't have Jesus there. Levi said, I want Jesus to be there. And so Jesus was the chief honored guest at that at that supper. But who were the people there? Tax collectors, publicans, sinners. <laughs> what an array of people. <clears throat> Those were Levi's friends. Who would you expect him to have? He didn't know any Christians. The lost world don't know real saved people. When you get somebody saved, really genuinely changed by the power of God, and God comes into their life, and the Holy Spirit comes in, He's going to give them the power to go and bring others to Christ. And that's what happened. Now look at the, re- re- the response. Over here were these smug publicans, uh, uh, Pharisees and Sadducees. Now listen, the Pharisees and Sadducees wouldn't think of extorting anybody. They never did what those publican sinners did and they never got involved in lust luxury or liquor they walked a straight and narrow line good but their heart wasn't really in it they did it from a legalistic approach there are some people who walk apparently with christ on the outside but their heart is filled with putrefying sores And they're judgmental of others constantly looking down their nose at somebody else and that's what those Pharisees and scribes did I believe in standards we have standards in our school I don't have to rehearse all the standards that we believe in I wish all of our people would practice them but nobody's ever been saved by keeping a standard they're saved by receiving Christ and most people who become judgmental in that standard problem situation, don't, aren't soul winners. They're judgmental. But when Jesus tenderly touches your heart, you can follow standards and live close to the heart of God and brings people in. Yeah. And that's exactly what Levi began to do. You read Matthew and you find he was a close disciple of the Lord. He loved God. But he loves sinners. Those Pharisees and scribes stood over there and said, Ha ha ha. If Jesus were really something from God, he'd know who he was eating with. He's eating with a bunch of sinners. He's eating with a bunch of publicans and sinners, tax collectors and extortioners, and people who've all lived all kinds of low lives. Now it's a dangerous thing to think something in your heart and think that God doesn't understand it. He knows our very thoughts. And demonstrating that Jesus was God, they didn't have to say that out loud to him. He knew what they were thinking. And he said, why do you reason in your hearts about these people I'm eating with? Why do you do that? Do you not understand why I came? Do you not understand the whole purpose of it all? My plan, my approach, my purpose is to reach out and bring others. In other words, you don't have to get better to get saved. You get saved to get better. You don't have to change your life and give this up and this up and this up and quit a bunch of things and say, well, I'm finally good enough. Now I'm going to be good enough to go to heaven. Jesus said, that's not the plan of salvation at all. I came to seek and to save that which was lost. I didn't come to minister to the whole people. To those that were well, I came to minister to those who were sick. If you feel like you're okay today, I can't help you. If you don't have any problems or burdens, then I can't help you. If you're so satisfied with yourself, you don't need anything else. But of course, the end, there's a way that seemeth right unto men, but the end there is a way of death. The end is going to result in tragedy, wasted life, wasted eternity. You go down to a place Jesus described as weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth for all eternity, separated from God because you didn't have any need. Jesus said, blessed are the poor in spirit. That is, those who realize they're poverty-stricken and they need something they don't have. Blessed are they. They'll be... God will minister to them. And so, Jesus said the most remarkable statement here. Verses 16 and 17. And When the scribes and Pharisees saw him eat with tax collectors and sinners, they said unto his disciples, How is it that he eateth and drinketh with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are well, whole, have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I came not to call the righteous but sinners to repentance my dear friend Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost whether you live in make a difference where you live if you live in Zambia you live in China you live in Japan you live in America you live in Canada no matter where you're from you may be from Cambodia Vietnam, you may be from Kenya, to me, where you're from. If you have a need in your life, Jesus wants to meet that need. And Jesus said, I'll come into your life and I'll give you forgiveness and cleansing and I'll be your friend. And I'll never leave you nor forsake you. And I'll forgive your sins. And I'll heal your heart. And I'll be exactly what you need. If you're willing to come. Just come. Just as I am without one plea. But that thy blood was shed for me. O Lamb of God, I come. May we pray. Every head bowed, every eye closed for just a moment. Our Father, we pray that just now Thy Holy Spirit would make that message clear. That Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. Pray that some today would hear that message and would believe on Christ. Would believe you, just take you at your word and would come and say, I receive Christ. I ask God to forgive my sins and to save me. And I'm going to be part of God's kingdom. And I'm going to follow Jesus and work with him and serve him. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.